Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's never really been like this where we have a career, we go to the office, we work, we come home, we work, we work on the weekends, we're expected to be on at all times. We have devices now that connect us at all times to our work. So it's really this stress of now actually having to find time to not work. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast. My name is Poppy Jamie, a recovering perfectionist and the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. Like the app, this show is about hitting pause and taking time to look after our mind and soul. In this series, I explore how we can make life better in 2020. How can we reduce stress? enjoy life, bounce back from setbacks, and get in flow. My guests will be sharing their expert advice, and I hope you join me on the journey. Our theme music is courtesy of Mindstream. Visit mindstream.com to learn more about how their music and environments help you sleep, relax, focus, and move, or find their music on any streaming platform. Let's crack on with the show. So what's very exciting this morning is I'm in LA at the home of Dr. Zelena Momini and she is an incredible thought leader in the space. She's not only a behavioral scientist, a positive psychologist, a researcher, she also is the best-selling author of 21 Days to Resilience, fantastic book, all the details will be in the show notes, and a speaker and happens also to be a TV host. I mean, what is there not to love about that huge laundry list of accomplishments? So I'm excited to sit down to talk about mental fitness because I love your focus on that. Like with every interview, we start with three main questions. What is your favorite quote at the moment? The quote that's resonating with me most right at this moment is, um, you are not all over the place, you are in process. 
which I love because I'm also pregnant with my third child due <laughs> in a couple of weeks. And I feel like everything is very frantic. And I just, I love the fact that it sort of, it reframes the lens with which we think about our world and how hectic our lives are instead of just being busy, busy, busy. It's like, you know what? We're growing, we're developing, we're doing what we need to do. We are in process. I love that because I feel I've been in chaos for the last few months. (laughs) So it kind of gives a slight reassuring nod Mm -hmm. to chaos is actually okay. Absolutely. Chaos is life. Life is Mm. chaotic. It's about how we weather that chaos, how we are able to kind of dip into the ups and downs that, that matters. I actually read something you wrote um, when you said one of the biggest kind of myths we have right now is the fact that life should not be chaotic. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think it's it's one of the cultural myths that's been perpetuated um, that I always like to sort of pop <laughs> for people, and I always see their shoulders just relax, like whether it's groups of you know people in, in a room that I'm speaking to or individuals, it's like, oh, you're right. You know, balance doesn't really exist. When have we ever felt balanced, really? Um, I think it's, it's <laughs> I mean, so right. right? And like, like there's, there's all these like, balanced? right? Like all these experts, okay, here's how you achieve balance. And we're so stressed about actually becoming balanced that we're never actually balanced. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I feel like life is all about the vicissitudes and, and how do we effectively and efficiently prioritize the various aspects of who we are and what we do. Mm. So yeah, some weeks for sure, you know, my work takes precedent um, and my family falls to the wayside. Have I learned and practiced to be okay with that and to know that, you know what, another week it's going to shift? Yes. Does it take a lot of work? Yes. <laughs> um, but then there's other weeks where my family takes precedent or I take precedent, take a little reprieve. So, you know, it's all about how do we, like, what's our purpose? What are we, what are we living for and how are we how are we effectively, you know, utilizing all the roles that we have versus like this crazy ideal of balance and like no chaos, like, come on, right? <laughs> I love this. This is giving me a lot of reassurance <laughs> yeah. this morning. Um, what's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? I've been reminded to be a bit more patient. <laughs> I too have a hectic, somewhat frantic life and um but I love it that way in 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 a sense um it's what I've created and and I love the work I do um and of course I adore my family so it's just it's busy but I'm I'm learning to find um joy in the pause and to slow down a little bit um it was funny because the, you know the new year just passed and um everyone you know it's like what are your what are you going to do what are your goals what are your resolutions and I was in an opposite mode because I was so pregnant, you know, and I was kind of slowing down. And it was weird. I felt awkward to slow down amidst when everyone else was kind of revving their engines and speeding up toward goals. And I was the one kind of falling to back. But it sort of taught me that, you know what, this is the place I need to be at right now. And it was kind of beautiful to be more observant rather than just frantic and trying to rush toward goals that I knew I couldn't attain at this time anyway. Um, So slowing down and being more patient is something I'm learning right now. That is really interesting because I feel that that also touches upon how easy it is to compare our busyness to others on Instagram and kind of assume that we should all be Mm -hmm. accomplishing the whole time. Mm -hmm. I think that it it sets um, a really unrealistic um, bar 
And um, I think really the only person we need to be competing against is ourselves, right? Yeah. So it's like, are we, are we doing what we need to be doing? And, and honestly, are we also not doing what we need to be not doing, right? It's all about how well we can edit and curate our lives too. What are, what are you able to say no to mm. that gives you space and energy to actually thrive and flourish and do the things that you really do want to be doing? I couldn't agree more with that point. And personally, one of the, a challenge that I'm experiencing is having a good process to know what to say no to. Mm, what are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. Um, I think firstly, before having sort of a, a blanket process, it's about really tuning in with yourself and knowing what your boundaries are, what your limits are, um, really taking sort of an evaluation of your relationships, who's in your life that feeds you and who is more draining and toxic, right? Mm. And we all have those people. And then from there, once you've figured out sort of, okay, this is what drives me. This is what I've been, this is what I want to be going toward. These are the relationships that I want to be actually feeding. Mm. Then you're able to say yes and no with more decisiveness, right? And knowing what you should be doing versus not. And I think, so I think the tune in, Tuning in. is the most important piece of that. How would you define happiness? You know, I started out as a happiness researcher and became quickly disenchanted with um, our obsession with happiness in our culture and realized right. that like with balance, the, the happier people want to be, the less happy they really are. Yeah, right. <laughs> we have all these things on our to-do list of how to be happy, vision boards, meditate, you know, and none of us can really get to it all. Yeah. And so we end up feeling like failures at the end of the day. <laughs> we're happy and, failures. Yeah, yeah, and we're so caught up in like, uh, you know, uh, the, the quest for happiness really makes us focus on our shortcomings versus when we actually are happy. Yeah. Happiness is a feeling. It comes and goes. It's feelings of joy, yes, and pleasure and things that we absolutely need to feel as humans. But we're so stuck on the wanting and the needing mm -hmm. to be happy that we don't actually feel those little moments that come and go. You know, so I think um, happiness has been a little tainted for me over the years, and it sort of also led me to my work in resilience because I was searching for, you know, if it's not happiness specifically that leads to all these positive outcomes for our mental health, then what is it? Like, what is this skill set that I need to be helping people hone? Um, because I used to be like a happiness expert, so to speak. Right. And really, uh, everything shifted for me when I figured out that it, it wasn't that people who are content and who are you know successful in their own right are happy yeah. all the time. In fact, their hardships make them who they are, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's the skill set of resilience that really actually matters. So the way I define happiness is is a fleeting feeling and something very lovely and wonderful yeah. <laughs> that sets off all sorts of great hormones in our body, um, but something that we also need to focus less on and so that we can become more aware of when it does filter through our lives. So how do you define resilience? Because that's what I really want to chat to you today about your book. Yeah, the way I define resilience is um, how well we're able to sort of weather our stressors. But really what resilient people do um, well is, is they're able to experience post-traumatic growth mm. instead of post-traumatic stress. Wow, yeah. I love that term. So the key is they're able to take their pain and their challenges and actually strengthen from them. So it's not just um, the fact that someone experiences trauma that makes you resilient. I mean, we all know people who have gone through hardships, 
but who are still victimized by them, right? And who haven't really elevated from it or, or been able to grow from it, who are still stuck. That doesn't make you naturally resilient, right? Right. But if you're able to um, approach your stresses and challenges with, um, with a certain lens and able to grow and learn and strengthen um, from that, that's what, it, that's what resilience really is. I really love that. That's brilliant. In your book, what did you find while writing it? What did you find the most interesting piece of research to be? Or were there any kind of aha moments? Yeah, I mean, my book is broken out into sort of 21 days and skill sets within the umbrella of resilience that people can actually work on. And I give people tips and tools and actual, it's almost like a journal where you built out um, because it really is a skill. Resilience is not something we're born with or without. It's something we have to teach ourselves to become. And no one's training anyone to do it. So that's right. that's why I wrote the book. The biggest aha moments um, were when it came to um, awareness and just the abil- the need to have an awareness and an acceptance. Ex- there's a whole chapter on acceptance. Acceptance of our circumstances and the reality of our lives while still being able to you know, take that acceptance and awareness um, and and use it to your advantage. And just um, honestly, how important the pause is in resilience, because everybody feels like resilience is about the hustle. Mm. And how many times you heard someone say, oh, she's so resilient. She's just such a hard worker. Mm. She just barrels through everything. You mm. know, it's really more about how well are you able to step back to reboot yeah. in order to have the energy to move forward and really, you know, conquer your daily grind. So that 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 was kind of an interesting little tidbit that I came across as well. Really interesting. Yeah. I loved how you broke it down to 21 days mm-hmm. because it is so manageable. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose 21 days? Yeah, so there's there's a, there's research out there that says, you know, at the very minimum it takes 21 days to develop a habit. Certainly it takes more than that, right? But at 21 days is sort of the very bare minimum that if you do something repetitively, it starts to become part of, you know, something that you're thinking about more often. Yeah. Obviously, after 21 days, you're not just going to magically become resilient. <laughs> um, you need to work on it, just like anything that's worth doing, right? You don't yeah. just go to the gym for 21 days and expect yourself to look <laughs> great. Right. Just to, we all wish. You know, yeah, right. Um, same thing with nutrition. So it takes time, but um, 21 days is sort of like the the bare minimum. To build something. So what would you say uh, your top three tips are to build more resilience in your life moving on from today? Number one, it's our perception of the world and, and our perception of our lives. So shifting the lens with which you see things, do you perceive challenges and stressors as a threat, as something that you can't really deal with, that you can't conquer, that sort of sucks you into this like vortex of negative thinking patterns? Or do you see challenges as, you know, something that, yeah, you know what, it's tough. You accept mm. the pain, you deal with it, but then mm. you're able to learn and grow from it. So mm. it's about shifting that lens and knowing how powerful you are. You know, every thought we have, whether it's negative or, or hopeful, um, elicits a neurochemical reaction in our body. So when we have negative thoughts about, you know, whatever we're dealing with and, you know, it sends this like vortex, this chemical concoction that clouds our judgment, makes us sort of forgetful. We don't really know who to call in that situation or we don't remember that our best friend dealt with this like two years ago, you know what I mean? But when we are able to shift the lens and yes, accept the negativity of a situation, but also know that, you know what? 
I do remember Susie had this issue and she called so-and-so and this really helped her or you know I'm going to write down three things that I've learned from this so that I can be better equipped next time and we're able to cope better so um, I think it's really also important to know how powerful we are to actually shift our thinking patterns and I think another piece of resilience is accepting that we're gonna feel pain we're going to be hurt we're going to feel stressed that's part of the human condition and not pushing it away we're so afraid of negative feelings in our culture you know especially with this whole happiness craze and everyone have to be everything has to be peachy keen and all these beautiful photos on Instagram with curated lives you know it's just not reality yeah and, the, and we're hard on ourselves, we feel guilty. Oh my God, I feel terrible, I feel sad, I feel bad. Listen, you're human. Yeah. Like, hello, of course, <laughs> you're gonna feel that way. Perfectly normal, feel the feeling, but then are you able to separate from the feeling and look at your challenges more objectively and grow from them? That's the key. Oh, yes, high five, <laughs> yes, it's so true. It's. Um, we are living in a bit of a delusion and it's so easy even when I would say I'm pretty conscious of all of this, yeah. you know, you know, I work with this material daily, but it's very easy to get caught off guard. It really is. Me as well. I mean, this is this is what I preach and yet I find myself sometimes, you know, scrolling through social media thinking, is this re- like, <laughs> oh God, Am I the only this is one? not what my life looks like, right? Yeah. <laughs> Completely. Do you think on the whole we are less resilient than we used to be or more on, on a macro level? Kind of what would you say your analysis is? I would say, you know, that's that's a hard generalization to make, but I do think generally we are less resilient. Mm. I think a lot of that comes from the connectivity in our world has been really replaced with digital yeah. connectivity. Um, not to say that it's all bad, but um, nothing really does replace human connection. Yeah. So I think there's there, we're we're you know trying to find solutions and stimulation and connection through these like digital platforms yeah. that don't really suffice. So I think that's a piece of it um, because to be resilient, we do need connectivity. We do need you know friendships. Yeah. We need people we can rely on, and we need human connection. We need to look each other eye to eye. Yeah, and someone else said to me the other day, when you meet up with a friend, you get the kind of the inside grind Absolutely. very much to your, book, to, to your book. Yeah. You kind of go, oh God, I was stuck in traffic, yeah, yeah, or yeah. that wasn't going yeah, so well. Yeah. You know, so and so really annoyed me. You would never post that, no. or you'd never text that, or you'd never no. call, you'd never, even on the phone you wouldn't. It's just in face-to-face you kind of share those like little discrepancies. Exactly, mm. that normalizes the human experience. And also you're able to look in your each other's eyes and if she does say, I'm okay, and you see that she's not, mm. you get to really follow up on that versus mm. via text. Oh, you're okay, great, you know, mm. <laughs> and you just let it go. So I think that's a big piece of it. I also think that we live in a, in a, in a world of plenty, which is lovely and wonderful. However, we have everything at our fingertips. Yeah. I mean, literally, I was thinking the other day, how did moms survive without Amazon Prime? <laughs> and that's such a crazy thought, but it's true. I'm thinking like, you know, I just realized I needed this. It came to my door the next day. Like how, you know, but that's, it's just this like alternate universe that yes, is is helpful and beneficial in so many ways, but it also reduces our um, ability to invite challenge into our lives. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't, it's sort of, forces us into this bubble where we can get really complacent 
and not exercise our resilience muscles as much, right? So then these like minor, minor challenges and stressors become major because we're actually not dealing with, you know, the big, the big stuff and the things that we need to be, you know, that, that our generations past were actually dealing with. And that's progress. I get that. And there's, there's great, amazing things to it. I'm not downplaying um, the globalization and how wonderful and every, you know, all the, the inventions yeah. and the, the great stuff that's been happening. But I am saying from a mental health perspective, it's not helpful. Yeah. In, in a way, you know, I completely agree with you. The fact that we actually have to double down on these resilient skills is probably even more important now yes. than even it was 25 years ago because we probably were just naturally more resilient because our environment yeah, we, encouraged we us to be Yeah, we were forced so. to be, exactly. I think this is linked to the topic of burnout. Um, mm-hmm. And this is something that is hitting so many people I know. Mm. I've suffered from it. From your perspective, how do you understand burnout? Kind of how do you define burnout? What do the symptoms do you kind of notice in people who you expect to have burnout? You know, burnout is um it's just a, a debilitating feeling of overwhelm. Mm. Um it's really when someone just uh it, it's hard to cope, it's hard to sleep. It's hard to function um, because everything else is just piling up, and they, you know, you just can't move forward. It's it's when you've sort of you've just had enough, and your body and your mind is telling you that very loudly, <laughs> very loudly, <laughs> very loudly, and it's been telling you that for a while, but you haven't been listening, and now it's finally like you know banging on your door, <laughs> like you are done. <laughs> right um so that is that's what burnout feels like Mm. and that's essentially what it is um it's it's when from a mental health perspective you know you just don't have the coping mechanisms to be functional yeah and are you seeing a rise in this or Mm. do you think it's media playing up I do. I am seeing a rise in this for sure, um, especially with women. Um, but I, it's across the board. I think that we take on so much, mm. and that goes back to our conversation about being able to say no to things um, effectively and efficiently. Um, but I, but I do think that um, you know our work, our careers. It's never really been like this, where we have a career, we go to the office, we work, we come home, we work, we work on the weekends, we're expected to be on at all times, we have devices now that connect us at all times to our work, right? So it's it's really um, this stress of now actually having to find time to not work. Whereas in the past, it's like, wait, when can I get to the office so I can get a couple emails done, right? right. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. Now I'm having to talk to my clients about, okay, you know, when are you shutting your work off? Mm. What is your time out? What is your third space away from your work, away from your family for you? You know, things like that to be able to encourage a sense of self through this whole <laughs> process. That's a really you interesting know. way to kind of understand it in terms mm-hmm. of your third space, because mm-hmm. you're right, we used to assume home, inverted commas, even probably the structure of it was time away. Exactly. But you're it's not. right. Absolutely mm. not. Um, home has now become a virtual office for yeah. all of us, <laughs> completely, <laughs> whether or not we're working from the home. I mean, it is absolutely a virtual office. So now it's like, okay, even within our home, Mm. What room are we designating as our non-workspace? Like, is there even a room where you could do that? A lot of people can't. A lot of people even work in dining rooms, living rooms, family rooms. I mean, now we have laptops, devices. You know, it's like, 
we're even now just binge watching Netflix and on our devices at the same time, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so it's really become this epidemic of when can you find space for yourself? When can you just be with yourself, your thoughts or a person or another relationship without you know your work infiltrating? And I think that's really why burnout has peaked so much because it's just all the time everywhere and we can't really make space for it. We feel like if we're not working, we're missing something. Yeah. And we also sometimes don't have the strength or the desire, shall I say, to speak to, let's say we have a boss who expects us to be available 24 seven, especially with women, it's hard to say, listen, I can't do that. That's not part of this. That's not what I signed up for, but this is what I can do. Mm. And if that's okay with you, then we can move forward. Why do you think we are afraid to (laughs) tell people what we want? Well, I think it's just, it's fear. It's just fear of being let go, fear of um, the unknown if we were to be let go from our positions possibly. Mm. We've been sort of trained to take it and just to go with it. And we also want to um, be appreciated and admired. And we think that maybe being available 24 seven or doing everything everybody asks of us will elevate us to a different position or whether or not it's a position within a company, but a position within their mind yeah. of thinking of us in a certain way. Um, there's all sorts of factors, but it, it doesn't serve us. I just think it's fascinating. We are going through such a huge shift mm-hmm. because these type of conversations, I would say are pretty new. I don't remember growing up being encouraged to check in with my needs, to be able to communicate my needs. Right. And now more so, how do you understand that shift? Or would you agree a shift is going on? I do agree a shift is going on, but I think it's very tricky too because there's a difference between, you know, communicating your needs um, with, you know, some a, a filter and not over-communicating needs because we're also <laughs> entering this interesting time where people, especially in the younger generations, you know, start a career and expect to go from like assistant to CEO within three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're communicating their needs loud and clear. Yeah. And now I, you know, I'm, I'm working with corporate groups who are like, you know, I, I, how do we deal with these people who come in and don't actually want to work hard? Like mm. they, they, they want, you know, and they're very um, vocal about their need for self-care and mm. wanting to be virtual and going to yoga and doing all their meditation in the office. You know what I mean? Which, which in, on one hand can be great, but on the other hand, you know, we do need to work hard. Yeah. <laughs> we do need to do what's expected of us and also excel yeah. beyond what's expected of us to rise. But how do we mediate that while also keeping a sense of self? Right. So that's it, there's sort of a happy medium there. Um, but yes, the conversation is shifting, um, and a lot of people are taking note. Whether it's companies or, you know, consultants just n- realizing they need to adjust their schedules. So it's it's a good shift, but it also, you know, you just need to think about how to balance that with actually excelling at what you do. So taking it out of the kind of, I suppose, workspace conversation and um, to go into boundaries Mm -hmm. in a personal place, how do you set boundaries personally? I know we've touched upon this, but to go into it even further, um, relationships, Mm -hmm. I suppose that comes to mind um, as an area where people maybe don't even know what their boundaries are. Yeah. 
What is a boundary? <laughs> That's a great question. A boundary is when you have realized there is a line, a, a virtual line that other people cannot cross with you. Um, so those lines and, and it's really, if you imagine yourself in the middle of this sort of, um, bubble, the safety net, right. And, and, and the boundary is when they pierce that bubble. So really it's about figuring out what is that line for you? And there can be hundreds of lines and there should be, um, we all have a history. We all have needs and we all um you know come from different places so really tuning in with yourself and understanding what your line is what is your bubble what is it that makes you feel supported and safe and connected and when people cross that you'll feel it in your gut you might not know that it's a line that's crossed but something's going to be off and it's about cultivating that awareness to know that oh this doesn't feel right if you tune in, you'll start to get more aware of what your boundaries are and then eventually be able to be more vocal about, you know, this is not okay. Can you give us an example of a successful kind of change in boundaries? Yeah, um, let's see. I mean, there's so many, but um, you have a friend who's texting you around the clock and you feel the need to respond to be responsive because she's your friend and she's funny and you love her, but it's taking up a big chunk of your day. Um, and it's also zapping your energy because you're thinking about the issues she's throwing on to you and you want to be responsive. Um, so, you know, in a situation like that, there's a boundary that needs to be held there that you're not upholding. And you start to feel it in your body. You start to know every time she texts, you kind of tense up or you think, oh God, I have to respond. I don't have time, you know, and, but you keep doing it anyway. So there's a two pronged approach. Do you actually approach her and confront her about it? Probably not in this situation, right? Because that wouldn't maybe end well. But what you could do is set the boundary um, when she does start texting you. You can A, just not respond for a while and show her that you know you will respond at some point later in the day, one time, and you'll respond to all her issues or whatever it is, but you'll give yourself a chunk of time in the day to do that instead of throughout the day. Yeah. And so that's more of like a habitual training. So you're sort of training the and relationship. It can be painful, it can be painful <laughs> but you're, you're showing her what you're capable of yeah. instead of telling her. Yeah. Or you can just respond to a couple of her texts and say, you know, that I really want to get back to you on this. Now is not the time. Yeah. Um, I'll get back to you tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and eventually that might lead to a conversation in person if she's mm -hmm. feeling you know, disgruntled about it. But, you know, you have to know and anticipate that when you're setting boundaries, especially with people who have already been in your life without boundaries, mm. there's going to be pushback. Yeah. So you so you have to know that that's coming um, and anticipate that and be strong enough to still hold that line. Thank you so much for telling <laughs> that story. It's so, I think one of the most important points you mentioned that really stuck out to me was there will be pushback on boundaries and yeah. that's okay. So kind of anticipate them and just know that you can work through them. Yeah, absolutely. But you're honoring yourself. You have to, you absolutely have to. Um, and you have to hold hold firm. And you know, it might mean a dissolving of the relationship for a little while, even with loved ones, even with family. There are family members where, you know, they're, they're crossing boundaries that are not okay. And you know, you still have to hold that line and they might not want to be in your life for a little bit. They'll yeah. come back eventually, but in order to hold firm, this is what needs to be done. 
I loved what you wrote about the difference between habits and goals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you mind going into that a little sure, bit further? Sure, sure. Yeah, a habit is something that you have to do daily to reach a goal. A goal is sort of this overarching concept of like, what is it that I'm working toward? People often confuse the two. They think that, you know, having a habit is the goal. And while creating habits can be a goal, the habits aren't in themselves the goal. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like the goal, for example, can be, I want to become a healthier um, eater, or I want, I want to eat a plant-based diet or whatever it is, right? That's the goal. But that's not actually a habit. To get to that point, you have to institute various habits. So, for example, you're going to, one habit will be, you know, you're going to empty your fridge of, you know, meat products. You're going to fill it more with, with fruits and veggies. A habit can be every Sunday you're going to chop up fruits and vegetables in glass containers and leave them out in your fridge so you can see them more easily. Those are all habits that help right. you get to a goal. It's so simple. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was when I read it, I thought yeah, that hadn't been communicated to me in yeah. that way. Yeah. And you go, hold on a minute, goals are so much easier to accomplish because I think often we think about the goal, but we don't really think about the habits needed. Totally. To well, and that's why resolutions never work <laughs> because we have these like big picture, like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book. <laughs> and you're like, wait, how do I actually get to this point? Every single goal or intention, shall I say, needs to be broken down into little teeny weeny habits and little little tiny tasks. Mm. The smaller the better so that when you actually accomplish them, your brain starts this really great feedback loop that, oh, I can do this, I got this, but it's really actually something super minor. So like, let's say you wanna write a book, your little task for the day is I'm gonna write one sentence. So you right. do the sentence and you trick your brain into actually thinking that <laughs> You're getting somewhere, which you are, and it's but it's so small. And so the smaller you can really whittle it down, the better, and helps you become um, more confident in what you're doing. Mind hacks, I fully love them. <laughs> so usually we finish off with a kind of a quick round, but because I love your Instagram so much, I'm actually Aww. I've actually just uh, chosen a few quotes that I'd love to unpack quickly yeah. before we leave. And um, it's funny, my first one was actually the quote you chose. Oh, yeah, so I love that. Yeah, it was so good. Um, you wrote, is what you're holding on worth the space it's taking up? Yeah. What do you mean by this? Yeah, is what you're holding on to worth the space you're, you're t it's taking up? Um, it's, it's really comes back to a lot of what we were talking about. You know, a lot of us hold on to baggage, relationships, traumas, um, experiences that occupy a lot of our, our mental energy. And is it really necessary? Have you grown beyond it? Are you holding on to it just because it defines your old narrative of who you thought you were, but you're really hoping to break out of it? Are you mm -hmm. going to rewrite your story now? Are you ready? You know? So, yeah, it, it's, it's important to kind of to let go in order to be freer to move forward. Invest in what no one can take away from you. Mm, I love that one, too. Yeah. What, what do you mean by this? Invest in yourself, invest in, in relationships, invest in love, invest in, in, in these like intangibles, invest in compassion, invest in kindness, um, in, in connection. You know, these are the things that invest in your own integrity, um, clarify your purpose and your values. Those are things that no one can ever disturb. 
Lastly, what book would you recommend and why? There's a new book coming out um, about forgiveness um, by Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt that I think I think it's 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 just a really important concept of forgiveness that often gets overlooked, but I think that. The, the spirituality of forgiveness and the acceptance of that can be really beautiful. Um, I think, you know, there's um, a great book about emotional intelligence. I think it's called literally emotional intelligence. It's kind of an older book, but I think emotional intelligence and being able to understand the, um, the details of your emotional experience is important. Um, you know, people often think that mature, emotional maturity just comes with age, but obviously we all know. <laughs> It's something we have to actually cultivate, um, and not just because you're an older, you know, person are you mature. Um, so I think that's those are you know a couple that I would Amazing. say off the top of my mind. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yes, really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for You've having me. Filled us with wisdom, and I can't wait for us to be more resilient people going forward. Well, thank you for having me. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Of course, it would be amazing and very appreciated if you wouldn't mind hitting subscribe and sharing this podcast. You can find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram. DM me questions or any guest suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have a moment, download Happy Not Perfect. It's my mindfulness app that helps you manage stress, anxiety, sleep, and ultimately makes you feel happier every single day in less than five minutes. See you next time. Sending you lots of love and energy. Till then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.